0: This is the a Smarts Podcast, where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week, we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize, and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der A. Hey everybody! It's John, and you're listening to the Creator Smarts podcast. This is episode number 122, and today we're going to talk to my dear friend Oli Richards that uh, I run Creative Smarts with, and. Oli we're going to talk about YouTube this time and he has taken this rather entrepreneurial approach to doing YouTube. Oli originally started as a blogger but at the beginning of this year he went all in on YouTube and uh, he's now getting 10 times more views than before. Uh, His YouTube channel went through the roof. He has about 100,000 subscribers now but it's growing very very quickly almost by you know like multiple hundred sometimes even a thousand subscribers per day and um, he's getting over a million views per month which is a lot for a medium-sized channel like his. So in this interview today we're really going to talk about why he decided to go all in on YouTube um, and what it means to to use this very entrepreneurial approach. Oli for example is investing a lot of money in his YouTube channel this year alone will be I guess, around uh, $100,000 or or pounds. And he's actually doing this at a loss. He he doesn't make the money back, but he says it doesn't matter because in the the long term, it's definitely going to pay off. And we're going to learn a bit more about Oli's mindset when it comes to investing in a YouTube channel. Then we're also going to look at how Oli went about hiring a team, how to find people, which people to hire. We're going to learn the exact process that he uses. To create all these high quality videos because at the moment he publishes around three videos per week high quality videos and it takes about 30 40 hours per video um so yeah obviously you cannot do that alone so we're also going to talk about that um yeah if you are creator and you want to take things more seriously and to treat your youtube channel like a a proper business or at least part of a business then you're going to get a lot of useful insights but also if you if you have a business and you want to think about creating new traffic sources then yeah this is also going to be an interesting episode for you now, when we were recording this interview, Oli was in his car. He was not driving, but he was in his car somewhere in the British countryside. So around the 20-minute mark, the, uh, the the connection wasn't 100%. You can still hear what he says, but the quality is just a bit off there. So apologies for that in advance. And next time, I will definitely force Oli to take this call from a proper Uh, from somewhere where he has a proper internet connection so uh, sorry about that but anyway i think um yeah is going to be a really valuable episode and it's going to give you a few unique insights so hope you enjoy hey ollie welcome to the creator smarts podcast as you'd say welcome back to the creator smarts podcast
1: Yeah, yeah this must be number three or four something like that it's always always a pleasure yeah
0: yeah, whoa. So we have lots of, um, lots of things to talk about today because uh, we're going to talk about YouTube. Um, I mean, your YouTube channel, you can just look at the statistics, took off. Um, you get like 10 times more views than a few months ago. Tell us what happened.
1: Yeah, so the, I guess the background to this is that... i've I've had a youtube channel since 2013 i think 13 or 14 so i've had the channel for six or seven years and um but i never really did anything serious with it because my focus was always on my blog That's, that's that was my main content uh platform so i always kind of you know i recorded the odd youtube video, basically all, all what I did was just what I saw everyone else doing in the language or in the polyglot community, which was yeah, hey, record a, learning a language, record a video of yourself to prove it that that kind of thing so it's kind of like very interesting for a very small number of people, but not um you know i would I would do that I would uh you know record videos of myself giving quick language tips, basically nothing that was made for youtube as it were it was all stuff which i just thought would, I, th- I thought would be interesting what video can i make in five minutes like, that kind of thing but then moving into 2021 i was sort of looking for a way to start to expand our content into different areas our website has been doing fine um a little bit sluggish in recent years um although we did actually manage to double our website leads last year but that's a, uh, website hits rather uh, last year but that's a different story and not so much to do with the, the quality of uh, of writing as, as to do with other things um, and so i was kind of looking for like well, what's the future because i'm not seeing the growth i need to see anymore on the on the blog and, and so we turn to youtube because youtube is the thing that's it's that intersection between growing g- between growing quickly but growing in a quality way and, you know, you look at Instagram and you look at TikTok and stuff like that, there's lots of ways to, to, to amass, like, millions of followers, but not in a way where people actually care about you as a creator and want to learn from you and form a deeper relationship. There's only so much you can do in 30 seconds or, or 60 seconds or whatever. So I, I was hearing more and more about YouTube as a as a great growth engine. And so I basically decided to learn how to do YouTube properly. And... I often, I wonder how often people do this, you know, people start a blog, but how many people actually take a blogging course? People start YouTube, but how many people actually invest a little bit in learning YouTube from someone that knows how, how it's done? Often zero to one is the easiest thing to do. You just, there's plenty of people out there teaching it. So I just went and I took a really simple YouTube course from this guy, Tim Schmoyer, who runs a, a website called Video Creators. And it was like a $200 $200 course, how to do YouTube. I took the course, put my team through the course as well. Um, uh, and, and then basically just started making videos along those lines. And that was kind of end of January where I first started making these kind of new, improved videos. So it's been about, yeah, well, as we're recording this, about, you know, seven or eight months. And then about five or six months after starting, everything, everything kind of kind of took off and I got this kind of hockey stick.
0: Christ. I mean, doing YouTube full time—that's a big, that's a big change, right? Because, well, how much did you spend, or how much time did you spend on YouTube last year, or the years before that? I mean, how has this influenced your your schedule?
1: Well, uh, I don't do it full time as such. I, I, mean, I've so it's changed. So at the beginning of the year, I was doing one video a week, and it would take me. And I was doing everything myself because I wanted to learn all these different parts. I wanted to learn how to do a good thumbnail, how to do good editing, all of this stuff. Um, and then a couple of months in, I, I began to hire a production team to help me. So I hired a scriptwriter. Um, I hired a another video editor, a second video editor, thumbnail person, and a channel producer as well, who's responsible for things like um, you know the, the content calendar, all the metadata on the on the on the videos uh, commissioning the, ed- the editing itself and the thumbnails etc so i i went from spending two days a week producing one video to now spending two days a week producing three videos because i had these, this team to help take that workload off my plate so I, i've essentially been spending two days on youtube um every give or take and then but that's what's been but then with the help of my team that I hired for this that's what's enabled me to actually get this volume of output because you know we might get to this but I'm pretty sure that one of the things that sort of facilitated this hockey stick growth on YouTube was the fact that I was doing I was putting out so many videos
0: I remember like a year ago that we had a conversation, you know, we were discussing various ways to, well, back then you said that you wanted to double the number of leads that the business generated, right? So we we're brainstorming, talking about various ways to do this. And then we also talked about YouTube. And in the beginning you said, well, YouTube, not really sure, man, if this is my thing, because then, you know, you start competing yourself against all the other YouTubers. And it's kind of, uh, you get stuck on the, the YouTube hamster wheel. How do you think about that now?
1: yeah it's a good it's a good question so I mean so I think here here are a few things that are are important from my because context is everything right so within the story learning business as a whole because it's important for anyone who doesn't know to understand that we have you know a fairly established business um, with lots of different functions across you know courses and different media platforms and things like that Um, the main goal of the business heading into this year was marketing we spent the last few years working heavily on product um but really the only we made a conscious decision like to stop making new products um now and the only so the the only the only task really ahead for kind of growing the business was marketing and so we are i I asked myself all these questions you know how how, uh, i set myself a task of doubling the number of leads email leads in 2021 and um and i thought you know, together with with the team, we brainstormed all these different all these different kind of growth hacking ways that that might be achieved. And you never, and when you when you're doing these plans, you never know exactly what's going to work, but you have best guesses, and all you can really do is try them out and then observe what what works. So we did experiments in social media, in outreach, and YouTube, and I'd say like three or four months into the year, it became apparent that YouTube was the thing that was outperforming everything else by 10 times you know we were getting tons of views those views were coming through to the website uh people were joining email lists they were buying courses i mean it was making material impacts on the business and so when that became clear then we decided to double down on it right and that's when i decided to move resources into the team um, to, to to start to facilitate that so yes it is a content hamster wheel that is true but because I've hired the team, it's only two days a week, and for me personally, and really as the business owner, like if I don't focus on marketing, then what else am I going to do? You know, I think marketing and sales, it has, it always has to be the business owner who drives it. Like, yes, you can outsource it, but then you just get the same kind of results as everybody else. Um, I wanted to really figure out a way to drive forward um, our our marketing and grow the number of people that were finding story learning. and so i thought well really if i can't justify spending two days a week on this then what else am i going to spend my time on it didn't make any sense so i thought to myself yeah well this, this is worth it i mean i'm going to limit it to two days because i do have other responsibilities uh, but i'll limit it to two days and I'll, and I'll hire a team around it to to help facilitate that um and then but then the other longer term thing is because because yeah because i don't want my job necessarily to turn into youtuber full-time um although i mean i'm enjoying it so much that you know right now i wouldn't mind that but i you know i'm i've been around for long enough to know that long term it will get it will get old Um, but we've been quite consciously trying to move towards content which can be made by someone that's not me right so a lot of the stuff that we've discovered recently is a lot of the more successful videos that we're putting out that are getting you know hundreds of thousands of views and 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 driving you know hundreds or thousands of views to the website they are the more kind of discoverable kind of videos where it doesn't have to be me making these videos i mean right now i'm the main kind of creative force behind the video itself but I i can totally see a a way in which I could bring on a, a co-presenter for the channel who could then over time become the main person on the channel. I can completely see that happening. Um, and it, it, obviously it has to be the right person and it's, and it's always difficult to find that person. But long-term I, I think that's that's absolutely something that we can do. And there's lots of other channels that, um, that we know who do things like that. I mean, Real Life English is a great example where I, mean, I remember Ethan used to be the only one on the channel and now they have a, a third person a woman i can't remember her name but i saw them i've seen them do that and it's brilliant how they've done that um, and i think it's yeah that, that that's something which will be a a challenge for the future but definitely something that's that's, that's doable i don't ha- i guess what i'm saying is i don't have my entire identity wrapped up in the youtube channel it's more wrapped up in the business so someone else can do the youtube channel if necessary <laughs>
0: Yeah. So tell us some of the lessons that you've learned about doing YouTube so far because you said that 2021 is the first year where you started doing YouTube properly. What, what does that mean, doing YouTube properly? What are some of the things that you are doing now that you weren't doing before? And the most important thing I've learned is about making what,
1: what are called discoverable videos. So, by discoverable videos, what I mean is these are videos that are meant to reach new audiences and to bring new people into the fold. In the language learning space, or in the polyglot space, or, um, well, no, I think in the language learning space in general, people, YouTubers tend to talk about very narrow topics. So you'll get people talking about, you know, how to speak with more confidence or how to, uh, how to uh, you know, how to learn the present perfect in English or whatever. Um, but the thing about these topics are they are, they are, Useful for a very, quite a narrow section of of, um, of people. Whereas, what I focused on doing is to think: you know, how does language learning intersect with the wider world and wider culture? How can we piggyback on top of other other trends, other things which are popular, in order to create something that someone that's not necessarily learning languages right now might might click on. And so in my case, these have been videos like, for example, um, easy, five easy languages for English speakers or, or things like, um, uh, for example, uh, reacting to celebrities speaking Spanish. So in that last example, you know, you've got Spanish in there, you've got language learning in there, but by introducing celebrities, you're kind of piggybacking, you're adding a different element, which is the kind of wider, wider culture. So I'm thinking about it much more in these terms. How do you how do you inter- find the inter- like a Venn diagram between language learning on one side and then wider awareness on, on the other side, and try to find things which are, are clickable and interesting and and curiosity invoking um, in, in in the middle. So that's really important because you've got to YouTube needs to. It needs you to do that in order to be able to show you, uh, send you new people. If you're making stuff that's too niche and too narrow, it's just not going to be popular enough to enough people. So YouTube will try and show it, and then it will say, okay, hang on, people aren't clicking on this. And then so it won't show your video anymore. That's the, that's the nature of the algorithm. So you've got to have the right kind of topics. So even now, one of the things that we're discovering, um, so as you know, yeah, we had a call yesterday with, uh, with a YouTube expert who did a little analysis on, on my channel. And one of the things he picked up on was, look, you've got these kind of you've got these different types of videos you've got. On the one hand, you've got these videos that are doing, you know, three, four hundred thousand views. And then you've got these videos that do like five or six thousand views. And there's inconsistency there in the uh, in the in the output. So one of the things I'm thinking about now is, OK, well, how do I make that a little bit smoother? So how do I as much as I like doing these more niche language videos, how do I maybe move away from that? um towards something which every person who subscribes to the channel is going to be interested in um, so that's number 1 number 2 is th- there's, kind of a, there's a kind of there's a there's like a golden triangle with youtube which dictates 80% 90% maybe even 99% of the success yes. of the video and that is the title thumbnail and the first 30 seconds and this is pure this is the youtube equivalent of copywriting it's how do you grab and keep people's attention the title and the thumbnail it doesn't matter how good your video is it could be the, it could be the next godfather that you've made but if your title and thumbnail aren't interesting enough people simply won't click on it and then once they get on the video if the first 30 seconds are not engaging if they don't open loops if they don't pose more questions if they don't make you curious enough and hook you to watch more then people will simply click away because they've got a million other videos to watch, and more choice than they'll ever they'll ever need. So uh, it's about uh, it's about finding those topics which are discoverable and broad, and then getting the technical execution right with your thumbnail, title, and the first thirty seconds. Those are the two the two main things.
0: Yeah, I guess what we. I mean, I yeah, talked to many YouTubers, um, you know, who once started out, started doing YouTube as a hobby. You've taken this rather entrepreneurial approach to YouTube uh, this year. What should, can you maybe share about what it looks like? Like what should, what is the entrepreneurial approach to running a YouTube channel? What are some of the first hires that you have to make? Um, can you maybe share some of the, like how much do you reinvest into the channel? Can you maybe talk a bit about, about that?
1: Yeah. So, the, like I said before, like the the broader approach to this is not. I'm not coming at this as a creator, um, thinking. Um, I'd, I wouldn't. I'd like to make videos, so let's start a YouTube channel. The kind of the 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 broader aim of this is: how do we keep the business growing? And Story Learning is a is a business that has that sells courses and books. Uh, how do we keep the business growing? And our business is at a size where you know we do multi, multiple seven figures and any new thing that we do is generally not something that I do myself. You know, we would always hire people in who, who are better at this than, than, than me. So I'm, I'm, approaching, I'm approaching this whole task of YouTube, saying hey, this is something that's vital to the business. And so I'm approaching it with a mindset of
0: investing
1: in it. So right from the beginning, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what is, the, what is appropriate to invest in this, in this channel so that I give it the best chance of success? And this is a question I always ask when I'm starting a new, a, new, a new initiative or a new project. It's like, what does this look like if it's fully resourced? I only want to do something if it's got the, the biggest possible chance of, of succeeding and working. I'd rather do that, save the time, learn the lessons faster than try and do everything myself and you know, burn myself out and take two years in the- I-, I-, I want to figure out lessons faster. I think it's so important in entrepreneurship to, to cultivate speed and momentum. So So I asked myself okay, what does it look like? If it's fully resourced and it's a few things. First of all, it's a scriptwriter because um, there's a lo- scriptwriter stroke researcher. And so Lisa on my team is, is just absolutely fantastic at this. And she, because often a video on a, on a new topic, we have to pull together a lot of information. So, for example, I made a video about how Mormon missionaries learn languages. And a huge amount of research involved in doing that properly. We have to do, we have to, you know, do dozens of, dozens of videos about how, about this topic. To figure out, okay, what is the truth here? What, what actually happens? And then to synthesize that into um, not necessarily a script, but at the very least, information that can form the basis of a video. So, and this just takes hours and hours and hours of work. So, my researcher was the first key hire because I knew that my unique ability would not be in researching topics, but rather in the curation of the video itself right? and the presenting of the video. So, yeah. script.
0: You don't write any of the scripts yourself? It's a mix. So
1: what will happen usually now, is, so, so somebody as I do, like uh, some of the more kind of experimental creative stuff I do, like I made a video that did quite well called, um, called Polyglot Problems. Um, uh, like 11 things that only polyglots will understand. That, that kind of stuff I have to write myself, so that I write myself from, from scratch. Um, other bigger videos, like the videos on, on Mormon missionaries, I, um, We're working on one now about how the the American, uh, the U.S. special forces learn languages, which is is fun. So the way it works now is that Lisa, my researcher, she will go away. She will spend dozens of hours researching the topic, collating the information, and then putting it together into a skeleton script, which just organizes and sequences the information in a a logical way. And then I will take that. And we're talking all the time about each video, but I'll then take that and fashion that into the final script, which includes, you know, kind of how I want to present certain information. I work very hard on the first, on the intro to the video, for example, and the and the, uh, the call to action at the end. So then it become I make it my own eventually, and have all the kind of editorial control over that. But that takes me so much less time than it would. You know, that, that might take me say three to four hours to do. Whereas Lisa, Lisa might put say thirty or forty hours into the actual research of the video. So a video can easily take between you know, 30, 40, 50 hours to create from beginning to end. And then the other part, so obviously the, the video editing and the thumbnail design, that is outsourced as well to, to editors and, and designers. But the other key part to this is is, um, is John, who's our the producer of the channel. And the reason is that there's a lot that goes into organising this. For everything from the organisation, the coordination of everybody involved. For example, what happens when a... You know before we start working on a video, we make sure to have the title and thumbnail done beforehand, and then we even make a, we, we actually make two variations of each title and thumbnail for testing. Um, and then when the video is recorded, someone has to send it off to the editor, they have to talk to the editor. The video then has to be received, uploaded to YouTube, the description written all, 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 the, all of this stuff takes time, and managing the editorial calendar, all these things and so the producer role is just overseeing this and and it, what it, what that does it gives me peace of mind that for example, today that we're recording this is a Tuesday. we have a video coming out in one hour and forty one minutes, and I'm completely confident the video will come out because we have a producer who whose job it is to oversee is to make sure that a video comes out on a certain day at a certain time so these are that's how I think about how what a channel looks like at an absolutely at an absolute minimum level in order to in order to work smoothly.
0: So again, just to summarize how, how the process goes, first of all you come up with a video idea, so with the title, and then your production manager arranges the thumbnail or like what is the process like? Because you just described the part but what what was the beginning of the
1: Yeah, so what what we'll do is we we spend time um every week when we meet, we will um spend time on idea generation right so we've got notes that we've collected and we'll we'll talk through video ideas which ones we think will will work we have a series of questions we ask ourselves like is you know um uh you know does this fit the category of video we want to make do we think it'll do well and then ideas which are kind of past the test get put on an official um board on trello we use trello to manage all of this and then at that point what happens is um lisa will go off and start to kind of Whip the thing into shape, scope it out, do some basic research. Um, And then when she's finished with that, that then passes to John, whose job it is to create two titles and two thumbnails. And I won't even look at the video until two titles and two thumbnails are done. And And the reason is that in the past, we kind of left it to the end and it never happened. We only had like one title. But we're really keen that we wanted to decide on the title and thumbnail before we made the video so that we can really finesse those first 30 seconds. So then that passes to John for that. When when he's done with that, then I receive it and I'm able to record the video. So I'll then take the script, I'll look at the title and the thumbnail, and then I'll work it up into the actual video and then record it itself. Uh, then when I'm done, then that passes back to the team who will edit the video, um, you know, make captions and stuff, and then upload it onto the platform itself.
0: Yeah. So... How big is the team? You have John the production manager, Lisa the scriptwriter, you have a thumbnail person, two video editors you said?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so and not everybody's full-time. So myself and Lisa and John are full-time. And then we have two video editors and um and a thumbnail designer who are obviously um freelancers. But one of the things we're gonna do we're gonna do probably next month is actually we're gonna be recruiting for a full-time a full-time video editor. Because what we've realized is that there's not enough like editing is really important to the outcome of these videos. And um, again, one of the things that we learned from this, uh, this consultant that we spoke to yesterday was that we've got a lot of room to improve the pacing of our editing, making it a bit snappy a bit more, a um, bit more dynamic. And I also want to develop more of a kind of house style. And this is very difficult to do when you're working with um, freelancers. So I want to, I want to bring in in-house a, um, a, an in-house video editor who can kind of learn and grow with us and, and develop that style but yeah but currently it's three full-time three freelancers
0: so some people would say i mean you have a medium-sized youtube channel right about 100k subscribers um a team of six some people would say that that's crazy to have such a big team for such a well i wouldn't say it's small but a medium-sized channel yeah what do you have to say about that
1: so I think this, this all depends on your, on your perspective. Obviously right now we are probably losing money in, in the whole thing, but but the way that I'm th- approaching this is, is not the size of the channel now. It's the, the size of the channel that I want to grow it to. And so the question is, you know, if you have ambitions to grow something, should you not invest in, in it at the beginning? Or, you know, what's the right amount to, to invest in it? And... I know that if I can grow the channel to hundreds of thousands of subscribers, that it will have a positive ROI and we'll make our money back in 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 spades. And you know, by the time we reach um you know half a million subscribers, we'll be making millions of dollars in, in revenue from just from that alone because of the volume of traffic. So if that's what's at stake, if that's what's up for grabs, if that's what's desired, then it's just a question of how quickly do you want to do it? And I, I could do it by myself slowly. Um, and it could take me five years or I could invest in it and it could take me one year or two years to get to that. that yeah. stage. So because we, because I'm, a, I'm in the fortunate position to be able to finance this from our main business, um, then, you know, I, I prefer to do it faster and learn the lessons sooner. Yeah. Because, you know, even if it costs us, say, um, a $100,000 to get to a break even point. Um it doesn't matter because like, let's say it takes a year to get to a break even point with the channel and it costs 100 grand to do. Um well by that point I could I would make that money back then in 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 you know a couple of months after that. So it's it's not so much about having the team and the cost of the team it's about when does the money come in and what order and the, the nature of investing into projects is that you invest upfront to get quicker results yeah. on the other end. And so that, that's why I think, that like a lot of the time, when we see creators that we work with who don't have an entrepreneurial mindset, I think we just see so much opportunity there because because they are quite protective about um, cash flow. They don't want to spend. They don't. They don't they're not used to thinking about investing. And as a result, they're doing everything themselves and they're doing great, but they're just it's just everything's a lot slower than it needs to be. Which is fine if that's the decision you make, right? But if you also want to grow and you want to, you want to keep growing your channel, maybe you want to get a bit more time back for yourself, maybe you want to develop a, a course business and make some more revenue from that, then um, you know, it's it's the it's the entrepreneurial people who, who think through the the economics of investing in um, in growth who 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 get there fastest.
0: Yeah. So how do you come the overco- how do you come the fear of reinvesting in your channel? And how do you overcome the fear of outsourcing some of the work? Because your YouTube channel is, is something personal, right? It's 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 almost part of your own. Like how how do you overcome that fear?
1: So, well, the question, first question, first about overcoming the fear of reinvesting. I mean, this is, I think, this is just, this is just um, entrepreneurship, really. It's about, it's about business ownership. I mean, business is essentially the deployment of capital, right? How do you use the money that you have? And if you have no money at all, to your name. Then I wouldn't suggest going into debt to grow your YouTube channel. I'd <laughs> you know do it yourself and uh, and grow the channel first. That's fine. But if you have a business, and, I, and I'm talking to business owners here primarily, then you know I think it's a question of researching the opportunity, um, you know, talking to others, understanding what's possible with your channel, how much it can do for your business, and then deciding whether you're prepared to invest in it. And this is just this is, this is just just business skills, really. Um, and in terms of actually hiring people for it, I mean, there's two parts to that, right? So the first part is actually how to hire and we've covered this in depth in, in other podcasts so I won't talk about that now other than to say that like it's very important to learn to hire and the more you do it the better you get at it and and, and all of that but um but also I am the one who records the video in the end right so if if if, if there's something wrong with the script I'll change it if I don't like the thumbnail um, I'll get it changed if um the editor does something that i hate then i'll i'll veto that but that, ne- that really happens that so in reality um you know as long as i'm the one that's actually recording the video in the end then there's very little to be afraid of
0: yeah how do you and this might be the final question because i have to i know you have to go soon um do you think that YouTube or video is the future of online business? I mean, you have a background in in blogging. You've done that for seven years, and now after seven years, you made that switch to going well, full time or going all in, let's call it all in going all in on on YouTube. Um, do you still think that there is a future for 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 vlog for bloggers? For written yeah, content?
1: absolutely. I mean, I still read. i I still personally prefer to read blogs and listen to podcasts over watching video. I don't like the kind of entertainment nature of video. I find it too restrictive. I prefer to listen to podcasts on walks and read blogs to get information more in depth. Um, lots of people prefer to read. Our, our blog is by far our biggest channel still. I mean, we get a million, a million hits a month on our, on our, on our blog, and that's, that's significant. A lot of people still prefer to search for information by text rather than video. Um, so, you know, blogging will never go away you know text text text-based search is always going to be a big thing with that said there are certain trends right and there's clearly been a trend towards video in recent years with the with the evolution of of um you know five four four and five g technology and better internet speeds around the around the world i mean video is clearly a thing um and then that's going to move to voice voice search over the next 10 years as well um but I think I guess the thing to remember is you don't need lots of customers to have a successful business. So if all of your customers are um, on Google searching for text stuff, then that's the basis of a, of a of a great business right there. You don't need to do video. Uh, it's it's always important. Like I, I don't think anyone should listen to this. Okay, Ollie's doing YouTube, so I should do YouTube. We had this question um come up in our, you in know, Creator Smart's inner circle uh, a few days back from someone who said, um, "Should I be doing a blog? You know, I've got a great YouTube channel. Should I be repurposing stuff?" To, I, it's it's very tempting to feel like I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be doing Pinterest. I should have a podcast or whatever. But it, it's hugely important to say no to things, and. You know, I I I'd, I'd like to think that I walked the walk in that sense because I I I avoided YouTube for seven years. I, I just just did my blog. That was my like main channel. I only got into YouTube after seven years when I was convinced it was the right time to do it, and and and, and the, our, our blog was also fully resourced by other people, so I didn't need to go near it myself. Um, and then when I did start to do YouTube, I was, was you know fully fully investing in it and building the team around it. So. Um, you don't have to do it, not at all. Um, but if you're running a business and you do decide to do it, then, I, then you know, I think, I think uh, investing in it in a smart way is a good thing to do.
0: Mm. So, so why not repurpose some of the videos that have done very well? For example, the one about Mormon missionaries and, and repurpose it on the blog.
1: Yeah, we we do that too. So oh, you we, do that, um, yeah. So for the for the more popular videos, I think the thing to understand about content though is that content like. For the last few years, re- repurposing has been very popular. You know, people, there are huge businesses that have sprung up around repurposing. It's like, oh, hey, we'll repurpose your videos into blog posts and stuff. But generally speaking, content should be written for a particular platform, right? Mm-hmm. So the kind of thing that works on a podcast is not going to work on YouTube, is not going to work on a blog. So I think the best the best media businesses, what they do is they they have content that is curated for each specific channel that they are on. And that's the way to create the world-class content that gets you the exposure that you need to, to to grow
0: and for you that's YouTube
1: well I mean that's YouTube is where I see the growth coming from yeah. and we I mean we still have a very active blog three, three high quality articles a week right? so that we still do that it's just that that you know, we, we always need to be asking where is growth coming from and f- for me right now that's YouTube and, and that's why we're investing so heavily into it
0: all right any tips or insights that you want to share with with other creators that are well that want to take things more seriously
1: learn invest in learning this stuff like seriously i i th- I, I mean in hindsight, I would have started YouTube years ago properly right I, I really would have done um, but hindsight is a wonderful thing there's no point beating ourselves up about it uh, but if there's something you want to learn, invest in it um, get coaching join a like, take a course like I did. You can get cheap courses, a couple of hundred dollars, that will show you how to do it the right way. Hire someone who knows what they're doing to show you. Like, you, you can spend a bit of money investing in your own education, and and learn the lessons so much faster. You don't need to be. You don't need to struggle figuring it all out by your by yourself, and you'll slow yourself down so much. Um, if you if you do that,
0: yeah. So I guess the conclusion here is the same as the conclusion from the interview that i did with you almost two years ago was the first interview on the show here and uh, i remember the takeaway from that conversation was reinvest or invest in your learning and there you you, go yeah (laughs) the, the same thing today
1: some things never get old
0: yeah well good piece of advice to remember ollie thank you so much all right, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like this episode, then please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using. And if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do, then make sure to go to our website, creatorsmarts.com See you on the next episode. Ciao.